Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's up, you guys? What is going on? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. This is episode 79. Thankful you are joining us. Thankful many of you now are fully on board. We're talking about everything, wherever it may go, theology, life, testimony. But today it's kind of a treat because you already have to kind of tolerate my accent, so you Yanks all say. You all still think I'm speaking in tongues, but today my guest is a good friend, even though we haven't hung out a lot when we do hang out. Yes, it's because we're in the law, but also what we have in common is, first of all, Jesus, the gospel. We're both evangelists, but also we both sound kind of funny. So Scott McNamara, what is going on, brother? How are you doing? Good, man. Good. It's good to, it's good to be with you. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to see your face. God is good. I'm excited Amen. to spend a bit of time here. And, and guys, Scott is an um, he's an evangelist, but what's crazy is he is from Liverpool, England. So I think that's what the God has saved you and me and JC Ryle and a few other people from Liverpool, right? That's about who no no no. There's some good, powerful churches in Liverpool now. But what we're gonna do today is we're gonna jump into Scott's powerful testimony, how we met, um, and then he has just written a book, put out his first book, right? Jesus at the door, evangelism made easy. And why, there it is right there. He's holding it up on the YouTube. Scott McNamara, Jesus at the door. This is his ministry. And why this is encouraging to me is because I know the man's heart. I know it's only God that knows a person's heart. But to the best of our knowledge, when we hang out with someone, Scott and his family, we're going to unpack this, but they're about Jesus. And even amid COVID, you guys have been doing so much ministry. And I don't mean just putting things out there. I mean, meeting with people, hanging with people, being prayed over, praying over them. So where does this all begin? You and I met when? <laughs> it was actually it was actually about three years ago. Um, I, I know you did the uh, the endorsement for me, and you said it was ten years, but kind of, which is a good sign because. But we talked I, a long time ago. We did talk a long time ago originally through an email. You'd watch the reality yeah. show, the uprising. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we met. It was only three years when we met, wasn't it? Yeah, which is <laughs> kind of crazy because I, I kind of felt like I knew you already, and and the way we met. But yeah, obviously, so we met through. Well, when we met, it was actually with Brian Head Welsh from yes. Corn. And uh, me and him were hanging out in, in SoCal, and then we connected. So it's funny, Brian was driving in the car. We pulled up outside your house. <laughs> I know. I met you. Remember when you jumped in and we went for a bite to eat and hung I out? I know. So, guys, I was part of a reality show many years ago, and it was to me, you know, it's a reality show I was proud of. Um, it was a very Christian show. It was myself, Christian Asoy, Jay Hazlip. It wasn't all the funky stuff. It was seriously just us going skating or going to rehabs or going wherever. And I think you'd seen that show or you'd, you'd heard of the church, and then you'd said, yeah. I watched your guy's story. And then when you were over here, you're like, hey, I'm in town from Liverpool, or I think even from Ireland at the time, you'd been moving oh, okay. around a bit. And you literally said, um, I was just trying to meet up with some of the guys on that show. We connected. Okay. I was blown away that you're from, you know, my neck of the woods. I'm looking at this guy who's a scally, a scouser, his family, the beautiful kids. And you were just hungry saying, Lord, what do you want to do with me? I was encouraged. You hung out in Huntington Beach for a few days. And pretty much since then, 
You've been back and forth. When we can, we connect. We try and stay up to date. But, you know, life's going on. As long as we're in the Lord and we're seeing what each other's doing, we're on the same page. But let's just get to this place. So you are this guy that hears of me, a Scouser. I'm coming to England. Your friends are Brian Welch, and we're going to connect. But how did you come to faith? Because it's a crazy story, right? People have to realize. Yeah. I did not meet one Christian the whole time I was in England. People find that hard to believe, but in Liverpool, there was no one. And I'm Mormon a couple of times, a few Jehovah Witnesses, a lot of Muslims who were great. They were good friends of mine. But Scott, where does this all begin for you? Because it's powerful. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I, and just before I jump into that, I just want to say how, like, the the uprising and that, and that show how the Lord really used that mm. to, you know, to, to inspire me, man. I mean, uh, I didn't know anything about skateboarding. I wasn't in that uh, kind of clique growing up, you know what I mean? My friends are all drug dealers and gangsters, man. So, I mean, it was, there was no skateboarders, you know? Uh, but So, I didn't know anything about skateboarding. I didn't know anything about, about you or even Christian or so, any of those guys. Mm. But, but I came to the Lord and... Uh, and then I just was like, you know, thirsty for for wanting to know about about people who love Jesus. So I would watch mm. a lot of God TV and and TBN and all that. And and, one, and that's when your show came on, the uprising. And I'm like, I don't know who these guys are, but <laughs> this is just man. I could just feel the spirit on it, you know. You guys were just going mm. out there, like you'd be like drinking coffees, sharing the gospel, just the whole thing. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. So I got really sucked into it, yeah. And not knowing anything about you guys yeah. or, or skateboarding, but I just like I loved the spirit on it, and, mm. and I became that became my favorite. TV show, man. I, I was just like, I love that show. It was the only show I didn't watch TV. Yeah. The only show I watched was that show, yeah. and then I got, I turned some friends onto it in my church too, and they loved it. And um, so then I heard, evangelized like looking about into, the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And so then I just obviously started to follow you guys, you and Jay and Christian, yeah. and just looking at your lives. And then yeah. when I found out about obviously where you were from, I was really drawn. Mm. into that because i'm like man this guy's from liverpool and the whole thing so i was really inspired by that man and a few years later when i became an evangelist i really believed that you know that was such a a, mm. a kind of equipping thing for me it just kind of showed me about getting out there and it really inspired me um yeah to do that so so that's just the first thing man just to so thank you for uh, inspiring me even before Amen. I, was, I was doing what i'm doing now you know? <laughs> a lot of famous scousers out there you know the beatles uh, Cilla black ken dodd uh, God bless him, rest his soul. But to actually have other leaders, we, we got to be realistic here. We didn't hear the Great Awakenings. We didn't even know who Charlie Spurgeon was. We didn't know all these things that had happened in the past. Coming up in England, we say it all the time, Charlie Darwin's on the money. We're in school taught about evolution. I mean, when I met you and you were saying this, I was like, wow, God has really got a hold of this man. And the show is what, 18 episodes, two seasons, a lot of punk rock, a lot of vaccine. I mean, people who'd OD, people come out of prison. I mean, ex-strippers, homeless. And it was just those three going around sharing, interacting. It wasn't set up and it was very organic. So for what it's worth, that encouraged people. So you mentioned God TV. And when we met, you had a conversation where God, and I want to say, we're going to be very spiritual in this episode. We're always spiritual as Christians, but a lot of time people don't know how to navigate that. Anytime you say the Lord was laying on my heart, the Lord was doing this, people get freaked out. No one is adding to the canon of scripture, but I fully believe, even as a pretty conservative Christian, you know me, I believe the Lord still impresses upon someone's heart. Watch this, say this. 
go to this verse. This is who your spouse is. This is whatever. I believe the Holy Spirit is on that journey with us, not only giving us the text, you know, it's already there, but ministering. So for you, you had a cra- kind of crazy experience, right? Do you want to unpack yeah. that God TV whole thing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, just just kind of like coming to the Lord, you know. So the way mm-hmm. that I came to, like, like yourself, like you said, growing up, you don't really hear a whole lot. But I remember, I mean, my mum came to the Lord. I, I was raised in Irish Catholic mm-hmm. uh, home, um, so it was very much, you know what I mean. It was very much about the kind of uh, the glitterati, the kind of the outward uh, expression, but there wasn't <laughs> a whole lot going on inside, <laughs> you know. So I didn't see much of Jesus, but I saw a lot of uh, of religion and churches and and smells and 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 bowels and all that kind of stuff. But my mom came to the law when I was nine or ten, and then mm. I began to see a real expression of Christianity that that there was power in it. Uh, there's power in this thing. Before, I just yeah. thought it was statues and uh, and things, but like <laughs> I could see there was actually some life in it, man. It was like this mm-hmm. is crazy. So my mom had a, an experience with the Lord, came to Jesus, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then I, I was 15 years of age, and my brother had been in juvie, and he got he got locked, he got uh, sent away when when I was uh, a kid because uh, he was like crazy. He locked me in a yeah. room and hit me, beat me up, set fire to the bed. He was just like wild animal, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, after my dad left, he went nuts. So my mom had to get him taken away to this uh, ju- juvie, and I was raised by a single mom. So mm. um, you know, in this environment, mm. all I knew was kind of her influence. And then my brother got released. Uh, when I was 15 and he was 18. Mm. So my mom invites us to a Christian conference in Ireland and we go along to this conference and, and me and my brother, <laughs> we hatched this plan. We're like, man, we're going to go and get the girls. That's the only reason we're there. We're going we're gonna to pull the girls. We, we don't care. We're not really interested about God, but let's get the women, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and so that's we were most always good at that. Most Christians, just so you know, a lot of the guests say, mm. I was going to youth group for the pretty girls. So maybe the enemy I thought bet. he was leading you, but God was like, but when you get there, I got something else in store. So you were going to Ireland to try and take <laughs> the women, which was a very English thing back in the day. All those wars were to go take their plunder, take their women. Yeah. So there's, there's them heinous yeah. Scott living a <laughs> Simple. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was our that was our vision, <laughs> and we heard that there was some uh, some some millionaire uh, daughters there. Uh, if you know Slazinger, you know they make Slazinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, they make ten- tennis tennis make. So that the family of Slazinger were at this conference, mm. and uh, and the daughters were there. And they happen to be the same age as me and my brother. So we're like, man, this is game over. Mm-hmm. So we go there and we're like, you know, we're doing our thing and it's going really good. And then uh, on this one particular <laughs> night, this big kind of like revival night, there's about 150 kids in a room. I'm at the back row with my brother and I'm like rolling up bits of paper, throwing them at people's heads, mm-hmm. just messing about. And then uh, this, this preacher points at me and he says, God wants you. Mm-hmm. And literally like, points at me and I'm thinking, oh man, he busted, he's, he's cotton, you know, he's caught yeah. me, you know? So I'm kind of like trying to hide it and shimmy out the way. <laughs> and then literally I felt this love wash over me, man. It was like a tsunami of love just wash over me. Mm-hmm. Within about 20 seconds, I'm on the floor weeping like a baby. Yeah. And I'm like, this is nuts, what's going on? And yeah. I didn't care who was looking. I didn't care who was like pointing the fingers at me. Mm-hmm. All I know is in this moment, I felt pure love. Yeah. Um, so I just cry, I'm crying and crying. The guy comes over to me, says, that's God showing himself to you. That's what mm. the preacher said. That's mm. God showing himself to you. And I'm like, what are you saying, man? Yeah. He's like, that's God showing himself to you. I'm like, you don't, this is crazy. You see, the night before I was yeah. with my mom, and my best <laughs> friend. And I said, if God's so real, why doesn't he just show himself to me? Mm-hmm. Within 24 hours, I'm on the deck crying like a baby with a man saying, that's God showing himself. So to he like, uses your words against you to say showing himself to you. Yeah. Affirming oh. it. 
Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I said, I'm like, I've never had anything like that happen in my life. So I'm like, this is crazy. So he says, Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? Do you want to follow mm-hmm. Jesus? And I'm thinking in my, in my head, I'm thinking, No, man, I want to be a pop star. Yeah, uh, that was my my childhood dream. So I'm like, I don't want to be a Christian because you know the only Christian pop stars I've ever seen is like Cliff Richard, and I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be like him. Yeah. My so dad I'm like, I don't know. Richard, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't he's know if he's well known in America, yeah. but maybe not. <laughs> Sir Cliff Richard, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm thinking I don't want to be like him. So the guy's pressing me. Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And then I'm like, well, I do, mm. partly, but I want to live my own life too. So what I did, I hedged my bets. I prayed the prayer of salvation. Yeah. But honestly, I'm only giving fifty percent. I'm keeping keeping fifty percent behind. Yeah. So that's what I did, man. For three weeks, I tried to follow Jesus, uh, uh, and then it all went south. After three weeks, I ended up back in the life mm. I was living. Long story short, from 15 to 24, I end up a cocaine addict. I'm uh, I'm running with some of the, the biggest gangsters, the Scouse Mafia, some of yeah. the biggest gangsters in Liverpool. Um, you know, like Curtis Warren's brother, guy Curtis Warren, uh, yeah. Europe's biggest, most wanted drug dealer. I was like mixing with his his uh, brother and yeah. a bunch of other people in these kind of cocaine fuel parties. Yeah, uh, the Canes who owned Canes who owned other nightclubs in Liverpool. I'm I'm run, uh, hanging with them all the time. Yeah. Just living yeah. this crazy life, man. I wasn't into the gangsterism thing, but I was friends with all those people. Yeah, uh, and uh, I was doing the pop starting at the same time uh, and you know i was offered a record deal by simon cowell you know we played alongside the backstreet on stage with the backstreet boys shared the stage with all these people uh support acts in the pop world uh you know teen magazines radio yeah. tv some tv stuff so there was all that dual kind wow. of life going on i didn't know you were the backstreet boys and um so going from gangster to music to simon so all this is going on and here's the thing yeah. that people hear and they go what does it mean to give your life to Jesus, give your life to God? It's a very evangelistic term on the street. People shy away. But when you watch Jesus walk the streets the way he did back then, I mean, obviously they were dirt roads. The way he would relate, obviously God's impressing on their heart. He's using the word. He's doing certain things. But basically your mom's praying for her two boys. One's radical getting out of juvie. You're there thinking you're going there for these Slazinger girls. You've prayed this prayer to God, so you're drawing near. He's about to draw near to you. You have this experience, and you're processing it like you do. Okay, I'm going to go in a little bit, but this is what I want. So your heart's still in the world. Um, You begin to live this way. What happens around 20 then? What what begins? What what switches this all on? I mean, you're living this life. Are you enjoying it? Is it heinous? Sin's fun for a season? Where were you? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I guess I I got to the point where I was tasting – everything that, that was available to taste. You know what I mean? I, I had the sex all night with a drug filled sex with beautiful model type women. I was in Vegas partying, took cocaine from the border of Mexico. You know, I'm doing all these things, man. And, and I'm, I'm starting to get sick of my sin. Um, I remember lying there one night, like five in the morning, mm-hmm. I'd been with this beautiful bird, I'd had the drugs, I had all the best things. And I was lying there, uh, sitting there crying because on the inside I felt so empty. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and I don't know, obviously your testimony too was kind of like that where you just, you, you had a lot mm-hmm. of it, but you were like, you know, I'm so, I'm so miserable. I'm so empty. Yeah. Um, and that took me to the age of 24. I got to 24 and, and one evening, uh, a big gangster friend of mine gave me $800 of pure cocaine and it was unmixed. And he's like, here's a little gift for you. I began ripping through it with a friend of mine. A few people came around party time within 20 minutes. My best friend, old D's in front of me, he's foaming mm-hmm. at the mouth. He's convulsing mm-hmm. and he's dying in front of me and his eyes right to the back of his head yeah. and he dies in front of me. And he gets taken off in an ambulance. This is in, in Egbeth, in, uh, in Liverpool, in Egbeth. Wow. Um, and I'm stuck there. Uh, I don't know if you ever remember Cheers Bar on Egbeth Road. There's yeah, a bar called Cheers. But, My but sister's living in Egbeth. Yeah. No, really? No way. Yeah. Just off Egbeth Road there, yeah. 
So, so I'm in, I'm in a, in a party there where I was living and then literally man, the ambulance drives away and I start convulsing and I'm like, this is the same thing's happening to me and I couldn't mm -hmm. breathe. And then I saw ahead of me, I saw the gates of hell. It was mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone was whispering in the party behind the door. They were saying, Scott's going over those. So I could hear them all speaking and they were panicking because they had a lot of drugs in their house. And if the police come and the whole thing, they're all so busted. I'm it was crazy, busted, yeah. So I'm and staring you're taking down the, the same cocaine, though, right? You're taking from the same amount. So yeah, whatever's mixed batch. in that, they say it's rat poison, it's crap, it's whatever they put in there. You're ingesting that. So are you thinking this? And you, see, you when you see the gates of hell, you're thinking this is where you're ending up. This is where you're going because God has dealt with you yeah. sometime prior. Okay. Exactly. So there was an awareness <laughs> for, for, for me because that'd be 15 year old experience. I'm now 24 and, and I'm aware that this thing mm -hmm. is real. But I mean, the thing is with the drugs, it was just so pure. It was so potent. That was mm -hmm. why it was knocking us over. I had a very high tolerance for cocaine. I, I partied with some of the biggest and the best. And they said, yeah. Scott's got an even higher tolerance for cocaine than me. Mm -hmm. um, this is what some of these guys had said. So like, it wasn't even that. It was just so pure and so potent. Wow. Um, but anyway, I see the gates of hell and it's like, I could see this like entrance way and I'm moving like a treadmill mm -hmm. towards this place. And I knew I had about a minute left to live and I cried out to God, something inside of me said, I don't want to die. And I said, please keep me alive. Keep Stephen alive. And I'll turn to you. I was begging for his life. And I was begging for my life. I just cried out in God's mercy to keep me alive. Mm -hmm. And when I felt like I was going to cross this line what I call the precipice of eternity. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody grabbed me here and kept me back long enough to yeah. not go over that line. Mm -hmm. And my friend got resuscitated in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. He got discharged mm -hmm. the next day and I got through it. Longest night of my life, but I got through it. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. But you actually went into it. It all began to happen. You had this. So God gave you this picture because we don't know what the gates of hell, we don't know all these things. And God isn't like, well, Scott, you know, you made a pretty good deal. Here's what I'm doing. God's will overrides that. But remember, King Hezekiah had his life added 15 years. So there are those ideas where you go to God, Moses pled with God, Abraham. We see this in the Bible. So you cry out, the next day all's good. And what begins to happen now? <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, obviously, I'd like to say I turned and followed Jesus, but, you know, we want to save our own skin. Yeah. And, and I was okay. So I thought, hey, let's carry on. Yeah. So I carried on, and it, it was probably like a, a couple of months before I, I ended up at a, a New Year conference that a friend invited me to. I was resisting the Lord, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a fight. The Bible, Bible tells us as a, a battle for our souls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the adversary, the devil, he kind of resists us. So for me, it took even a couple of months after that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't enjoy it the same. I remember the next day or day after, two days after I went with this girl who was really beautiful and I just didn't enjoy it, man. I like felt sick and, mm -hmm. and the sin became sickly to me. And, yeah. uh, and that's when I started looking, looking elsewhere. And then I ended up in a new year conference in, in Toxteth in Liverpool. There was a new year conference I got invited to. And I sat outside and as I sat outside, this love washed over me. The same presence that, that I felt when I was 15, I mm -hmm. felt again at 24 and, and I surrendered to it this time. And I began to weep. Uh, yeah. as the power of God filled me and everything changed. And you'd heard the gospel. You knew what sin was. You knew the way you were living. And basically, you could say you're a good tree, but at the time you're bearing bad fruit. Like God's beginning to deal with you. He's working on you. It's up to the Lord how he does it all. We get it. But Paul calls us to plead with sinners. God calls us to plead, repent, turn. And so then you feel, and here's the thing. I challenge people, even all my reform friends, I get it. I love the theology. I see it. But I had this experience in this room where I felt like it was this presence. And I feel like it was whatever the Holy Spirit did. I knew 
I had this moment. I had this revelating moment. Yes, the word comes alive, but he got a hold of me. So you felt these interactions with God. And then did you say, okay, this is what was the conference, a Christian conference? Yes, it was a Christian conference, but I was I was that wrought in uh, anxiety. I, I was such a mess. I was like struggling with PTSD. I had two near death experiences before I came to the Lord. Yeah. I picked a fight with three lads five in the morning outside Liverpool City Centre. Uh, so I mean, I got beaten real bad, and I went through all these things where I had like anxiety attacks. So I was in a bad state. Now, when the guy came up to preach, I started like manifesting severe anxiety. I started feeling a lot of anxiety. So I left the building. Yeah. I left the room. Sorry. And as, as I sat outside the room is where the power of God fell on me. And I felt like I was in a tug of war. I felt like I was being pulled into this place of darkness and fear and death. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be pulled to over here, which is a place of peace and light and life. And, mm-hmm. and it was like the Lord was saying, I just knew this revelation. You've got to make a decision which one you've you got to choose. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and as soon as I chose, I said, okay, God, I want you. It was mm-hmm. like the, the rope was cut and I was a free man. And mm-hmm. I felt totally free. And that's how, that's how it began. Amen. And so, but didn't you see something on television? Wasn't there something where the Lord got a hold of you and you had this almost prophetic experience and you knew to do with God TV or what? Well, I tried the thing with God TV. It wasn't that, but I tell you what happened was, um, and in terms of the supernatural as well, just to clarify, because I know this stuff is important. I'm, I'm, I like similar to yourself. I'm more of a conservative guy mm-hmm. as well. I, I don't uh, veer too much on the charismatic, although I believe in all those things. And we're a lot of friends uh, with a lot of those people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm friends a lot, but I, I would go, I would veer a bit more to the, the conservative side as well. Yes. Um, but I believe totally in the supernatural. I was birthed in the kingdom of God through the supernatural. Um, so what I saw when I began to weep and I began to feel different, these three men left the building, uh, left the conference to come towards me. And as I looked at them, there were beams of light protruding out their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was a lot of supernatural moments like that where I heard the audible voice of God two weeks after I came to the Lord. And um, and this was one of those moments with God TV. What had happened? I was about I was about a two month two month old believer, and I went to a church in uh, off Smithdown Road, a frontline church in, in Liverpool. <laughs> I just found a church, man. I'm like, I'll go there, you know. And um, and it was quite a prominent church in our area where I lived. I was living just off uh, off Smithdown Road at the time in Wavertree. Mm-hmm. So I go along to this church, and I'm there. It was a Sunday evening, and um, they said, Hey, guess what? Tonight we've got God TV at the church. And I don't really know what, you know, much anything about God TV at that time. Um, so anyway, they give everybody these little postcards and they're like, write down your name and you can win a competition. So I'm there in a church of probably 700 people, big, big <laughs> evening. And I'm writing, I write down my name and I hear a voice. The voice says, you're going to win. And I'm like, you know, well, this is crazy. Well, you know, there's 700 people here. I don't even know what I'm entering. I'm just like, you know what I mean? That'll do. Mm-hmm. So I get, everyone puts the name in a basket and then Rory and Wendy Alec, who founded God TV were in the room that night and they called out my, put out my name. They said, come up here. And basically they said, you haven't won yet, but this is a, a competition to go to Israel for 10 days to tour the Holy Lands, five-star hotels, the, the whole treatment. And uh, you, you're going to go into another hat with one, you've got one out of 12 chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Now I walk home, I go home that night, put my key through my bed set where I'm living uh, in, uh, in Tuberuk at the time is where I was living in a real rough spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I put my key in the door and I hear the voice of God. It says this, when you win, take Chris. And I'm like, what? And I began to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me, man. It's so clear. And who's Chris? Chris is a guy who began to disciple me. Mm. So I and he prayed for me for years before I came to, to be a Christian. So what so you're I saying is him, hearing God speak to you, deal with you. And guys, for those listening, here's the amazing thing. And you know this, 
There's people that are very conservative who've maybe never encountered anything that's a bit more radical other than what they see on TV. I got a lady message me today. Hey, do you think the Holy Spirit pushes people over? I'm like, well, if he's going to push people over, they're going to crack their heads on the floor or you always have to catch them. It doesn't sound like God, but I've been in situations where I've seen the Lord moving people's hearts. They're being overly dramatic. Things that happen. I get it. I've seen my preachers push people. I've seen people abuse yeah. everything. But in my life personally, even this podcast, I feel like the Lord impressed on my heart through other people. I fully believe to this day, even preachers who say they're more conservative, they will say, we feel called to this. A baseball coach will say, I feel called to this. Wait, what you're saying is you believe the Holy Spirit's unction is moving on you just because no one's announcing it, just because things aren't, you know what I mean? So I just want people to hear that and say, let's ride this out. Because to me, this is just normal. People in church all the time pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. You're not adding prophetic word. You're not judging a nation. You're not speaking of the forecoming power of the Holy Spirit from the prophet Joel to the book of Acts. You're talking about your life, Scott, and dad, your father is ministering to you. Nothing new to me. Nothing I've got to change about my life. We test those prophecies. So there, there's the Lord just to help listeners say, what's he saying? Yeah. Calm down. You know what I mean? Calm down. Like we're not putting him in a box, but God does operate the way he wants to his way. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, no, it's a good point. And also just to clarify for me, you know, I came from this like cocaine, uh, alcohol, cocaine addicted, alcohol addicted background, yeah. no, no time for God. Suddenly from that to this, it's not like I, it's not like I had all these years <laughs> worth of experience to know what this thing was like. I didn't, I can control it. It was happening. It was real. I yeah. felt like I was yeah. in love and more than I'd ever been in love before. Jesus wow. became the object of my affection in, in every way uh, without <laughs> anybody telling me, you know what I mean? And, um, <laughs> And I remember, I mean, even I remember the night I accepted Jesus, I went home to my bedsit, man, and, and mm. the room was illuminated. Uh, my brother was a drinker. My brother lived on the living room floor with a bottle of cider and a hood over his head, just slept on the living room floor. And I walked in and my room in this one bedroom apartment mm. was lit up, illuminated with the presence of God. I couldn't mm. explain it. I sat mm. uh, for the first week of my Christian life. I sat on my, on my bed. I went to sleep every night with a Bible on my chest, mm -hmm. feeling the presence <laughs> of God. I couldn't fake it. It was just, it, it was real, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's that happens, you, you go home, you're going to get this whole Jerusalem thing going. You're one in 12 and you put the key in and what begins to, you said the Lord, what's it take Chris? Yes. Yeah, so say Chris. So, so again, I'm a brand new believer. I don't know how, I don't know what it means when God speaks. Mm -hmm. uh, so I call Chris at the doorstep. I'm like, listen, I do, this is what just happened. Telling the series of events. He says, pack your bags, baby. We're going to Israel. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, when God speaks, it happens. We're going. So within about a week and a half, <laughs> I get a phone call from God TV and they call me. They say, listen, this is crazy. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're meant to go on this trip. You didn't win. We picked somebody else, yeah. but we couldn't get hold of this person. This is what they're telling me. That their number, uh, email, the whole thing, we couldn't get them. So we picked again. You're the second choice, but we believe you're really the first choice. You're the so winner. me and Chris, we go off to Israel, man. I'm a four-month-old believer and I'm touring the Holy Lands in a mm. five-star uh, trip to, to Israel. Uh, which is incredible. That's where I, I was mm. given the gift of tongues and all these amazing, I saw mm -hmm. the vision of angels, just real supernatural stuff mm -hmm. happened there. You mm -hmm. know? So that's... Amazing. And then I got to share. And you got what? You got, got the shirt? I got to share my testimony from King David's castle on Pentecost Sunday, live mm -hmm. on God TV, which is crazy. That's... But here's the real crazy thing, because a lot of times we hear something like this and we go, 
well, let's chase these moments and experiences. Yeah. And we should have those, even Lisa Childers, you know, she was on here. She's very conservative. She preaches a lot against this kind of progressive movement where there's not a lot of gospel spoken. It's kind of lived out like a good works thing. And she was saying, I didn't have these experiences and I would hear these radical moments, but other people have these heavy experiences like this. So what's crazy though, is when you come back from Israel you begin to evangelize very crazy people. You get put in very crazy situations, right? You're in Ireland somewhere, or what was the story you were telling me where you go into this bar and it's the very craziest place you could be. And so just just unpack how God begins to start using you. And I want those listening to realize the gift that is in you will make room for you. Obviously, when we hear in the Old Testament, it's talking about when you get put before a king, when you get put into a situation. But I literally live my life as... As an evangelist, God has a responsibility, not really to me, but to the office he's given me, that as long as I'm trying to operate in it, he's going to navigate me because I'm going to be the guy that shares in the coffee shop. I'm going to be the guy that's willing to go to the school. Likewise, you came alive in that same way. If I put you on our stage at you know, the church I go to, you're going to hear the same kind of things out of you as you do me because we're evangelists, but God has to let you know that's who you are. So you win yeah. this, you have these things, you're most probably excited, but you begin <coughs> to start sharing and witnessing to people in very crazy, what could be dangerous, deadly, confrontational ways, right? As far as they go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't begin like that. It began with like this, the simple ways, I guess, like, you know, feeling that the spirit nudging me to go and share with that person. I, I would, what I would do in church on a Sunday, before I went to church on a Sunday, I'd go to Liverpool mm. city center and I'd, just st I'd stand there and I'd go and minister to whoever's there, homeless people. And I I'd say, do you want to come to church and then try and take people to church? I I'd just turn up on Saturday. I remember going to Lime Street station yeah. on Saturday. And I just prayed. I said, God, sh bring people to me. And I stood there and, and there's, there's all these rough people at the scallies at the back of the step. And I just stood there and I'm looking around. Some fella says, hey, you, hey, you. And, and then comes down the steps and he's like, I know you, man. I know you. And, and, and I mean, I knew a lot of people, but I didn't know this fella. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know you. And he's like, I know you from somewhere. And then I got to share with him. And so I, I would obey all those things. Yeah. And then um, I remember <laughs> a couple of years into that, I was praying one, one day. I was with my dog in the forest praying. And I heard the voice of God. It said, you found my favor. It's what I heard. You found my favor. Mm -hmm. And honestly, after mm -hmm. that, everything began to shift yeah. in terms of opportunities to share. I mean, I still had to take the opportunities, but there was like some, yeah. there was a breath, of, there was a breath of heaven on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it came to a point where I was, um, I was in the Holy spirit gave me a vision of me stood outside a paramilitary bar, you know, like the IRA uh, and um, the kind Explain of paramilitary. Explain that faction. to people. Paramilitary, a high level, like you talk about Ireland and the craziness and all of the, the violence that's been there. Yeah. It was a paramilitary bar, right? All these people are there. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, like the Irish Republican Army, you know, in the seventies, they began sort of bombing, uh, bombing, uh, you know, uh, the Catholic faction began to yeah. bomb Protestants and and all kinds, you know, like royal family people were getting uh, getting done and all kinds of hitman stuff. Uh, there was a big war that happened for the past four, for forty years uh, yeah. with, with Ireland and England and, and the Protestants and Catholics. So in this particular bar, there's a particular street in my community where I was living in Ireland, and it was housed uh, full of all these people. Uh, mm -hmm. Like there was one guy who's a known murderer who would drink in there. These guys would go with, with ski masks on and they kick doors in and shoot people in the kneecaps and put them in wheelchairs or kill them. Yeah. So these are the people that that, that drank in this bar. And the Holy Spirit, I, I was painting my house. I wasn't looking for this. I was yeah. painting my house. <laughs> and I saw a vision of me stood outside with a microphone preaching the gospel. Yeah. And, and I began to tremble, physically tremble. <laughs> uh, 
And I'm like, I ain't doing that, man. There's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I'd made a deal to God where I'd said that I'll do anything you ask me to do. This is yeah. my, kind of my prayer. So long story, it took me about nine months to go, but I went and I stood outside that bar and the bar owner put his head against my head. He's six foot four. His name's Darren. We're friends now. But he put his head against my head and he began to threaten me. He says, I'm going to rip your head off. If you turn that, don't turn that Christian music off. I had a Christian speaker playing music into the bar. And, uh, and he, he's got his head against my head. And he's threatening to kill me. And, and the last thing he says, he's like, why are you here? Yeah. And I couldn't think of anything. So I just said, Jesus sent me. And as I said, Jesus sent me, he pulled <laughs> his head away and he starts pacing up and down. I'm going to kill you, man. I'm going to kill you. And uh, long story short, we became friends. I took church into the bar on four occasions. We did church in that bar. It's yeah. like a dungeon. I've never been done before. And you can, you can watch it on Finger of God 2. There's a movie, Finger of God 2, that me and Brian mm -hmm. Walsh from Corn, uh, we went in at the aftermath uh, of, of me going in for a few years and we, began, we did like a little uh, a service in there. Mm. And so a lot of those guys came to faith, though, and this began to move and minister. And then you began to feel this call to come to the U.S. as well. You began to say, okay, Lord, because you partnered with what? Some of the the vineyard churches, and basically you've got your wife and then what? You've got four kids? Four kids now, yeah. So then, and your youngest, how old? Five. So this is going back. And I remember, because for me, it was like pro skating brought me over here. So, okay. And then I'm married. But for you, you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm witnessing to all these people. I'm fresh off done with cocaine and drugs. I've had the Lord speak to me. And guys, I'll tell you, I, I, I love so much of the theology of great conservative people. And I love the foundation of so many works. Why I love a lot of what more Calvinistic preachers do is I know what you're saying. A lot of times what I put on the television, I hear, I don't know what the message is. All I know is that you've got to get, you know, to the top of the food chain and God's going to bless you. And I don't really know what you're telling me. And I know it's all positive, but it can, it can pertain to the house you want, the car you want, the shoes she wants, yeah. all the rest. And I like when things are clear where with evangelists, it's kind of pretty simple. It's like, this yeah. is what you're doing, but you have yeah. to hear where the Lord wants you. I feel called to Huntington. This is where I've felt. So you began on this journey that you're now witnessing. When does Jesus at the door as a ministry, even just sit up for a minute and show them your shirt that you have on for those on YouTube, yeah. because this is really the ministry you're doing, right? Jesus at the door. Um, this is evangelistic. When do you say, okay, I'm going to really step out and birth this thing. And we'll, and we'll talk in a minute about even what the gospel is and how you've seen it move. So how do you go yeah. from Ireland and paramilitary to America, potentially churches supporting you and where you are, you know, heading towards today? Yeah, I think so. What happened was after I went to that bar, I mean, more than anything for me, what it did, it shifted something in the community. Um, so there were people that responded and, and things like that, but it, it wasn't even, it, that wasn't the, the, the great fruit that I was to mm. see. That, that, was, that was to come. This, yeah. was more, this was more like what it did, it, not only in me, but what it did in the, in the community. It sent ripples. It positioned you, yeah, yeah, totally positioned me. That, that's exactly what it was. Uh -huh. I believe it's like the step of uh, the step of obedience, like David and Goliath. If I can yeah. use that as an example, <laughs> uh, when David fought Goliath, it opened up his future. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. And I believe sometimes the Lord will put the favor for your future in the hand of your foes. And, yeah. uh, and for me, that's what happened, man. David took his future, his favor for his future, out of the hand of the giant because after that moment, his life was never the same. Because Israel already had the victory, but no one was willing to go say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So the armor bearer shows up, you know, with his music and he's killed the bear and the lion. And he just believes. And it wasn't that he was a good warrior. He was, but he believed the Lord. 
and he's he shot it. And, and you know, God's sovereign, so maybe he's a good aim, but the Lord made sure yeah. that thing hit Goliath in the head. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, you stepped into this and it begins yeah. to get aligned, and then yeah. So that was it. It was it was that one moment of obedience. I really believe it. You know, I often tell people when I preach still, I say, <laughs> if it wasn't for my moment out that bar, I wouldn't be here today. I really believe that. Yeah. And what that did, it sent it sent ripples. And then I was offered a position by a local pastor, a guy called Alan Scott, who's the pastor of Anaheim Vineyard Church right now. Alan and Catherine, Catherine yeah. wrote the song Hungry. Um yeah. so so they were local, they were our local pastors, a very prominent church of 15 years before mm -hmm. I came in. And then he basically said, uh, we want to bring you on staff as an evangelist. We've never employed an evangelist. You've never been one, but we want to make you one. The Lord had given him a clear word, crazy prophetic word. His brother is a very uh, a key prophet, lives in Scotland. He called Alan and said, God's sending you an evangelist, and went on to describe me, who he'd never met. He says he's a like, scouser, watch right. your pockets. He went to church for the month, <laughs> exactly. but God <laughs> delivered him. <laughs> That's it. That guy. Here's the thing. We have to say this. Um, and people think I'm almost like trying to talk smack when I say it, but most churches are planted by pastors and why wouldn't they? But I don't know any churches that have staff evangelists and you've heard the conversations we've had. Our church, you know, helps partner me and kind of puts me before the church. And the reason I even push on here a lot of times for those who partner and actually financially support is if I was a full-time pastor, I'd have a full-time salary, insurance, possible retirement. As an evangelist, you're kind of just on your own. And we had those conversations. You end up raising support 50% of the time. Could a pastor do that? Only 8% of evangelists finish their ministry. Most of them, like me, I don't like to sit with people and raise support and funding. But I remember us having those conversations. So the Lord spoke to that man. And I hear Alan's name all the time. I don't think I've met him. But he's still he's here now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been there about three years. You know, I didn't realize that was how close you guys were because I need to just go see him anyway because I know everyone was like, oh, yeah, Pastor Alan Scott because he's close. So yeah, he yeah. felt like his brother said, hey, this guy's going to be the evangelist or described you. you well, basically describes me. He, he's like, I know who that is, but I'm not, I'm not giving, <laughs> I'm not giving any away. So he basically started to meet with me like once every four or five weeks, get a coffee. What are you doing? And by wow. then I began, I began to grow in, in, in kind of the giftings that the Lord had. I, I was in Belfast by this time. I'm working in Sandy Row in Belfast, which was the mm -hmm. paramilitary HQ. Uh, this is where the, the uh, when the troubles began uh, in Belfast in this particular area. This is the yeah. hub of activity. Yeah. I'm working in the center of this this homeless shelter, the second biggest in Belfast. So there's a lot of activity, you know. And uh, and I'm already stepping out. I hired the whole place and I filled it with local crazy people. Uh, a bunch of them got saved, and so I'm already stepping out and doing things. And then he's like, "Okay, this is God." So he employs me and then says, "Stand on a street five days a week, and we'll pay you to stand on a street and talk about Jesus." And I'm like. <laughs> man which is crazy so he says but our dream is that you lead one soul a day to jesus and then mm -hmm. i almost didn't take the job because i was so intimidated by that that phrase mm -hmm. but i trusted the lord as i stepped in the holy spirit began to download to me a way of sharing the gospel yeah now, i didn't know how to share the gospel uh, it too efficiently i only knew what i'd seen before me and i'd seen a lot in my culture a lot of people praying for sick people but not too many people articulating the gospel. Yeah. So I, I was never, I always had a burden for, for the gospel to be shared because I knew that's what changed my life. That's I didn't for get me, that's the gospel. It, it, when I hear the gospels, the power, and you tell your story earlier, I'm like, well, he must have heard 
I know I'm a sinner. Christ alone is who forgives. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Even in our circles, because them, and even the more maybe Pentecostal, even a lot of Calvary chapels will say, "Ask Jesus in your heart, Jesus in your heart." And to many of the reform side, they're like, "Well, you don't do that. God's the one who works." We know that. I know you did not choose me. I chose you. But there's a responding, being led by the Holy Spirit. So you're, and here's my challenge. I go, well, Pastor. I can't guarantee some one person saved the day yeah. because the Lord's the one who adds them. We just, you know, exactly. he does the, he, we preach, he catches. <laughs> yeah. And then as you yeah. said, you know, the church does the clean. And in that sense, as far as discipleship and the rest. So this is all going on, but here's the thing. Um, a lot, I was listening to a sermon today with the gospel coalition. I hadn't heard their podcast and it was an English guy talking about the gospel and he was pushing back heavy and saying, Hey, most Christians today don't realize they're in progressive churches where their pastor really doesn't share the gospel. They just live a nice lifestyle, almost like Mormons. And they hope people say, this is awesome. We want to come be part of the church. But the kingdom of God, yes, it was arriving 2000 years ago. It was there with Israel. It was always prophesied. There'll be a future time when it's fully here. You know what I mean? When all the end comes and so forth. But we've now been sent to go everywhere. Israel was on an evangelistic mission to the promised land and everyone they interacted along the way. You can become Israel. You can do this. Many didn't. They wanted to kill him. So God had to wipe them out because he was bringing the Messiah through the lineage. God made a promise with himself that was in the seed of Abraham. But for you and I, 2000 years ago, Jesus said, go. So this word and deed, you guys will hear me harping on this a lot. We need the voice of an evangelist. God gave some to be apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. We see the prophet's words, the apostle's foundation, and now you have the pastor teacher, the evangelist. How do the people get into the church? Sure. You're a nice neighbor, Scott. I'll jump in the back of the car with you. We'll go on a Sunday. You know, here we go with the kids. But evangelists and so many pastors, I got to say it, they don't even want to see their people on the streets. They look at it as like the big signs and the wave in Jesus. And it's almost like an embarrassment. And I go, guys, he sent them out. They went actually door to door. So I want, I want you to really focus on that. So you're now going to go and, and, and sit on these street corners. You begin to witness Alan Scott and them saying, okay, Lord, but trust in you. I mean, praise God for that man's faith. And here's the thing. Yeah. Even if they missed it, God will honor all three of you for your faith. You're not trusting Satan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're trusting God and God will redeem that yeah. faith. <laughs> yeah. So how does that Amen. happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree totally. And, um, and so for me, you know, it was a case of, I mean, like John chapter six, verse 44, Jesus said, nobody can come to me unless the father draws them. So <laughs> exactly what you're saying is, you know, we can't say this is definitely going to happen. Yeah. But, but what, what, what we knew to be true is the gospel is that powerful mm-hmm. that when it is shared, something happens. You know, I describe it often like the, go- the gospel is like a sledgehammer. Yeah. And when you apply it to a surface, something's going to crack. Yeah. But most people, <laughs> they, don't hold, they don't hold the gospel with the weight that it deserves. They hold it more like a feather. So yeah. instead of smashing yeah. bricks around people's hearts, they're tickling people's ears with it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. don't know its power. And they so, hope they'll just say, well, you guys are nice and tell me about this, Jesus. And he sounds sweet. Mm-hmm. Look, guys, you're already condemned, John 3, 18. It's a rescue mission. This is a cry, as it will be in the days of Noah. Noah's a preacher of righteousness for 100 years. A flood is here now. Everyone's sinking. 
Amen. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. No. Just come on. And, and that's kind of where I was. So I was in a place of I need to I need to share the gospel with these people. But how do you do that? Yeah. In a couple of minutes with a stranger who's passing by. I mean, you know, like it's not like you've got a twenty-five minute exegesis on the Book of John. It's kind of like you've got a couple yeah. of minutes max. They're passing by. How do you how do you catch them? Um, and this is how the Holy Spirit began to do. It. He began to drop these phrases into my spirit, and I would say these like one-liners. I'd say it, and the, and the atmosphere literally would shift. Like mm -hmm. I felt it, they felt it. And this is like with strangers who don't know the Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was that good, man. I wrote it down on my phone. They'd walk away and I'm like, I'm keeping that. So I literally yeah. type it on my phone. <laughs> after, after a number of months, I end up with nine points that the Holy Spirit gave me. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of sharing the gospel in imagery laden fashion. And it just shifted everything, man. We experienced the move of God in our community over three years. We saw thousands come to Jesus. Me and my wife opened yeah. our home. We began to... A disciple uh, a lot of these uh, mm -hmm. guys who came from crazy backgrounds we yep. ended up with a church our church a church within a church the whole left side became my new believers mm. uh, which was crazy a lot of them like you know gangsters drug dealers all this kind of thing because i went <laughs> after the guys that nobody was reaching uh, up until yeah. that point yeah. and um i'm a little poured out of spirit and honestly i saw things i'd only ever dreamt about i'd only ever read about in books as a new believer mm -hmm. there were moments me and my wife had to pinch ourselves because we were discipling these people um and we were seeing god transform their lives and it was just mind-blowing you know wow. and kind of, that's how so that's how Jesus at the door was birthed through that through the harvest fields in that way. And I want I, I love being the voice of moderation because Scott isn't saying God has given me this new nine part step that every Christian in the world has to do. What he's saying is the Lord began to use me in these ways. I know we're going to talk about your book and even just a moment, we're going to unpack Jesus at the door. And you know, I know you've got about 20 or so minutes left, but I'm saying, and the reality is this is how God spoke to you. You're using the text. He's shaping the language you would use. We can't stop everyone on the street. That woman's going home. That guy's on a bike ride. When you go outdoors evangelism, that is probably what, 5 to 10, 30, 40% of the actual evangelism we do. They say the most evangelism you will see is when you invite someone to church because most people aren't ever invited. The number one reason they go is someone says, do you want to go? And on the way home, you go eat somewhere and you say, what do you think about that? Well, those guys had funny accents, but you know, I never thought about this. Our neighbors yeah. selling the house, you might've heard the banging in the background. My friend's doing some work on the door now, but even they sold the house and we had never really ate with them. They, you know, we were always super busy. We made time to hang out in the front, but we never went somewhere. And when we ate, they've heard the gospel. They know I'm a preacher. They've heard all our stories, but they said, hey, we had these questions. And it was like, that's the biggest time to evangelize, but for you, you're going to the streets and on these nine points, is this what you emphasize in the book? Or do you even have a picture of Jesus at the door right there? Just so someone can yeah, see Because this was yeah, the picture. And I have this in one of the books in my garage. And yeah. you would have this picture. And for those who can't see, it's simply a gentleman in white. It's a door. It's a heart around it. And the guy is knocking on the door. And this is based on Revelation 3, obviously, right? And this is, this is yeah, something yeah. That the Lord put on your heart and a friend drew it. And you said, this yeah. is it. So explain that for us. Yeah. Yeah. So once, once I had these nine points, I mean, for me, and it's not just about, you know, I spent three years in the street, but, but I mean, I haven't been on the, I haven't been working on the streets full time since 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I, we, I, I regularly see people weekly, see people accept the Lord uh, as I go about my business, you know I yeah. mean? Um, so I got, I do a lot, a lot sharing the gospel. Uh, I'm at the grocery store, I'm at the gas station. So wherever I'm going, I'm sharing. And, and this is a, a way that you can share the gospel in a fashion that, that, that is quite easy to, 
to do yeah. and it's very uh, yeah. spirit breathed is the kind of key to the whole thing mm -hmm. but yeah I began to do it and, uh, and the Lord began to pour out his power and um, <laughs> you know honestly it was kind of I was the one I was surprised more than anybody at the simplicity and the power of the gospel um, I mean this is the verse that I felt the Lord uh, give me here uh, yeah. it's maybe quite yeah. a, a gutsy statement but 1 Corinthians 2 13 where it says this is that when we tell you these things we do not use words that come from human wisdom instead we speak words given to us by the spirit using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths and mm -hmm. honestly what i felt god gave me in jesus at the door was a way of conveying uh, uh the some secrets of heaven the gospel the rescue mission a way that conveying it to, to the layman to the person who maybe doesn't know a whole lot yeah. um so yeah. as i began to do that yeah things began to shift and uh and change but remind me of your question sorry bro no and here's the thing though is it's important what you're saying the danger for evangelists is you and I go into a town and we go crazy. We have a big event. There's 10,000 people, 100,000 people. We're all fired up. And all the church like, yeah, why have we been evangelizing? And then we leave and the pastor's like, great. Like the pastor has a role as well that we don't fit. I, heaven forbid God ever caused me to plant a church. I, I love people and I'll pastor people. I'll do whatever he wants. But I see the office of a lead pastor. They think five, 10, 20 years. You know, Alan Scott's thinking like that. But the evangelist comes out and just sprays and gets going. And we listen and we're saying, Lord, and, and there's, there's an apologetic to the way you respond. There's a pushing in the verses. There's a no in your testimony. But for you, I'm saying this Jesus at the door I idea is obviously in revelation we know that john is referring the message to the church he's rebuking the church there but it's also true that jesus's yeah. gospel has gone out into the whole world we're not going to debate yeah. what the word all means whether you're norman geisler whether you're john MacArthur, but we're called to go to everyone we don't know who's going to respond or not so the jesus the door idea is we're bringing jesus to you to share with you and the bible says the testimony of jesus the spirit of prophecy so i understand what it was written what it meant in revelation but it means yeah. when you begin to share when he's lifted up he'll draw men so jesus at the door is these nine points and now you said you don't go on the streets as much and that's because scott is teaching people you'll have rooms of 200 people you'll go do a whole weekend you'll have thousands of people you're raising up they'll go out and do the same and the biggest picture though scott is these people become part of the church that's yeah. always been the issue with evangelists where's the fruit who's remaining a big day event those millions of dollars that's great it god uses that but you've seen people disciple become part of it years into this now right so yeah definitely I mean, i've still got guys back in ireland I, I, one of my one of my guys was uh He's actually in the book. He was a soccer hooligan, uh, or uh, yeah, soccer. We call it football, but soccer. Yeah. Uh, he's a soccer hooligan, and uh, he was the head of a gang of 500 men uh, for Preston North End. And, mm. um, and this guy was kind of caught up in crazy stuff. I led his wife to the Lord and two kids on the street. And then three months later, I had a chance to meet with him where he began to get very violent, uh, verbally violent, uh, in uh, facing me and my friend in, uh, in a car. Long story short, and this guy comes to my new believers group, gets born, gets saved, gets born again. Like the power of God hits him. He says, I feel fire all over my body. And then the power of God hits him. And uh, within four days, he's on the streets with me doing the work of an evangelist. 
and uh, he stayed on the streets for 18 months until I left to go to the States. And he still does it to this day, four and a half years later. Wow. He's, uh, he still goes out to regularly weekly onto the streets and leads people to Jesus. Um, and there's other people too. <laughs> there's a, a, another guy was ahead of it. He's like a gang guy, he, he, uh, crazy background, 19 years of age, grew up in children's homes, juvies, adult prison. He was moving a lot of drugs for, for big gangsters. And um, he came to the Lord in my living room at my new believers group. Yeah. Uh, began yeah. to weep like a baby. Uh, within a couple, of, within about a year and a half, he got his first proper job working for my church. Yeah. Uh, my church in Northern Ireland employed him, and he worked for about two and a half, three years on staff. Nicky Gumble, who heads up Alpha, yeah. personally called him and said, "Will you come to the Royal Albert Hall and share your testimony in front of five thousand world leaders?" Hmm. And uh, this is like some scally I led to the Lord in Northern Ireland, and then he's at the Royal Albert Hall in front of 5,000 world leaders yeah. sharing his testimony yeah. alongside a policeman dressed in his uniform who says, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this young man because <laughs> I went to I'd be good through his story. So, you know, that's the fruit that we're looking at. Yeah, We could talk about this all day because it's true. We take for granted the people you meet. I used to go into the bank and my wife would like say, you, you tell everyone about Jesus and the banker would be a church or you go in like IHOP. And I mean the actual <laughs> pancake place where my parents are here. Yeah. And I know when we've been on the street, you begin to engage people. 80% of people aren't going to respond. But what you said, for those listening, there is power. Even our neighbors asked, I said, look, you cannot believe till the Holy Spirit does this work, but you will feel the conviction. Those seeds will be sown. God will minister. But so what you're doing is Jesus at the door is you will take a bunch of people, you'll share. And for me, it's like you need to know your story. You need to know what the gospel is. You need to know that we're already guilty and God's, I mean, everyone's challenging God's wrath nowadays. Is God a wrathful God? There will be a final judgment despite what people say. There will be, we're already guilty. The gospel's a rescue mission. All your sins when you confess Christ, what he did on the cross is applied to your life. You're forgiven only through him, the way, the truth, and the life. So you have this, you're doing this for years. How does it become a book? Was it just time all these people listen to what you're saying and doing? I got to get this out there. I guess it was. It began to spread. I mean, we've we've had a you know we've either I've been to or people that we've trained. We've taken this to over twenty four nations now, and we've seen a, a lot of people. I mean, in South Africa, there's a real movement going on mm -hmm. uh, through. They've accepted Jesus at the door. Every nation, a church movement. This really began to blow up in South Africa, and um, yeah. so there's yeah. a real there's a real kind of uh, the, the God's breath was really on it. I think people began to notice that. So um, I was put in touch with the publishers, and they said, "Look, this is this is outside our wheelhouse." Um, this is kind of like it's a bit it's a bit different to what we normally do, but we can see that Lord is on it, so we want to we want to take a it's a step of faith and do it. Um, so I guess <laughs> they began to see that it wasn't just Ireland or here, and that you know there was local stories. You know, there's people in the states where I'm living that, that are part of our, our church family, part of our family mm -hmm. that we're discipling, people that we've knocked on doors and led them to the Lord. And and honestly, I feel I think the gospel is simpler than what people give it credit for. They think they have to talk it up or pad it out or waffle. But honestly, it's about the power of God uh, unto salvation. And mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is introduce people to to the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And, yeah. and that's all that we're doing. I, I describe Jesus at the door as it enables you to get out of the way in style. Yeah. Because for me, I think the best evangelists are the ones who can get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit take control. You know, I have yeah. a phrase, evangelism is giving up all control and letting him take full control. Yeah. But yeah. often we don't do that as evangelists because we're afraid. So we want to hold it. We want to control it. Yeah. But when you let go, if you can trust him and know him enough to let go, you're going to see power.
Mm. And that's frankly <laughs> what this is. It's, it's a way that you can follow like a GPS, yeah. a navigation to salvation, and it mm. will lead you straight to the, uh, to the destination point. And all these, you know, what Scott's holding up, I mean, that card alone has been around for what, three or so years at least, and there's since, laminated since, versions. And, but it's all, available, it's all available on the website, right? And everything, it's, yeah. it's been up there for a good few years. And we're yeah, not saying yeah. just take this and this is what you do. Listen, you, I remember when we just went out, you know, you're going to share differently about a, a background in cocaine. Is cocaine the gospel? No, but it's Scott's story. Is skateboarding yeah. the gospel? No, but it's Brian's story. We are human beings. Homeschool matters. Drug addiction matters. And pride matters. Self-righteousness matters. God uses all those things in different ways. The demonized guy did not have a PhD. He didn't even know what Jesus the door was. He'd yeah. never heard of John Calvin. This guy, you know, he didn't know anything. And he went back to the people and he just told them what he knew. And God began the work and the woman at the well she said come and hear what this guy told me about my life the disciples are meant to be you know evangelizing here and she instead did the evangelizing and jesus witnessed to her she came to faith she began to minister so what you said and i want you guys to hear is that it's simple it, there's an issue of sin there's an issue of separation but the gospel's the power so this publisher though this is interesting I want to write this evangelism book and go through the history, have some revival in there, talk about certain things, and pack the reality. John the Baptist came preaching, repent. From that time on, Jesus went preaching, repent. Peter, Paul preached, repent. Repent's a bad word. No, it's not. It's a word that's like, Scott, stop doing cocaine, sleeping with women, living for yourself. You're dead. God has something so much better. And even if you're persecuted and crucified upside down, like Peter or dipped in tall, like, you know, the apostle John, God's still good. That's yeah. the good news. Do you want to live this temporary life, Scott? Or do you want, and like you said, the joy, the peace? I mean, how ridiculous do we look? We're reading a book with not too many funny stories. I mean, there's funny, crazy stuff in there, but we're reading this book. We're, we're doing podcasts. We've brought our families. You know, we live here in America and we're seeing, Lord, what are you doing in this season? So real quick though, as well, I know you got about 10 or so minutes, the book, who put it out? What's the publisher and how do people get it? <laughs> yeah. So the publishers are chosen, chosen books, uh, Baker house, chosen books. Okay. So, um, so I, I really admire those guys for, you know, for stepping out and being willing to do this because, you know, it, it is a little bit uh, different, but honestly, what I'm really excited about, about this book and, and, and Jesus at the door, it's a way, you know, that you can share the gospel in many ways. What, what I love about it, it's, I can put it into the hand of a, of a person who has never opened their mouth about Jesus and they yeah. can bring someone to the Lord. I mean, yeah. this is what we specialize in. We specialize in taking people off the sidelines and getting them active and doing mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. um, so we call it a reaping tool. You know, there's the kingdom of God, like the law of life is made up of sowing and reaping. Yeah. And uh, yeah. at the moment, we have an imbalance. According to the Barnet Institute, 96% of the church are not leading anyone to the Lord, mm -hmm. which means we have 96% of sowers at best, and we've only got 4% reapers, Crazy. which means the church is walking with a limp. And we need to fix that. So what we've done with Jesus at the door, it's a reaping tool. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to allow you to partner with the Holy Spirit and find the apples that are ready to fall instead of swinging on a branch, trying to make the ones that just aren't ready. Um, yeah. So we believe that the Lord is drawing people every day. There's a harvest around America, around England, everywhere There's a harvest. Jesus said that the fields are white for harvest. He didn't Amen. say except in, in England or except in the States. The fields are white Amen. for harvest everywhere. So if that's the case, we need to tap into this harvest. Mm -hmm. Many Christians at best, they may just give you a free can of Coke or pat you on the back or pray for you to be healed. 
But what they're not doing is, is sharing the gospel to bring you, give you an invitation to come to repentance. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do through this reaping tool. Amen. We're trying to bring it, uh, give you something that can walk someone all the way down to the, with the Holy Spirit to the place of repentance. Yeah. And you, and, uh, so that's what you got to figure Sorry. who you are in your DNA. I'm saying, cause you are very outright like me. We're almost like John the Baptist. So I'll get out there and I'm talking to the crazies. I like it all, but you see these mums that will go out with us and they're like Mrs. Timid, but then they begin to share of the passing of a daughter or share of a broken relationship. And they begin to say, I feel alive. And, and I always joke and I say, we're not yeah. waiting on the Holy Spirit. He's been waiting on us for 2000 years. I mean, well, he's already yeah. arrived. He's out there. And so but you, you're going to make a point then as well. So they get the book or they get the resources and this stares up in them. Then they, whether they go somewhere, whether they just are in the bank, like I said, or even like yeah. encouraging the church. The last statistic I read was that 15% of the church is focused on evangelism, but the majority, and like you said, if it's up to 96% right now, that's yeah. crazy. So they crazy. said, most Christians, if you go to churches in your local area every six months, you will see Christians rotating churches that tells you that, are we going there based on worship, based on pastor, based on camp, based on preference? I get it. But how much has churches become about checking in <laughs> rather than taking Jesus out? And, and we're exactly. getting, to, you know, and even cancel culture now is is hitting the church. They said one in five churches are, sh are shutting down. And I'm thinking, Lord, I hope that it's those churches who aren't really even focused on you, if, if it's any, because I think the gospel is getting a hold of America. And I know a lot of it's patriotism and they're, they're all pro-Trump and everyone's like, oh, you know, we want to protect our land. Forget the land. It's about Christ and the gospel. And people are saying, what are we holding to? You know, so... <laughs> No, I agree, but it's about bringing the gospel back to the center. And I feel mm -hmm. that's what is needed yeah. uh, from evangelists yeah. right now. It's bringing the gospel back to the center because, you know, what I feel that a lot of evangelists, we've done the church a disservice, you know, uh, like we've, we've taught the church how to pray for the sick, but yeah. we haven't taught them how to share yeah. the gospel um, uh, for, in a lot of circles, you know. So uh, we need to lower this bar and say, guess what? You've maybe, you maybe never even prayed for someone to be healed. You've never yeah. seen a healing. you never yeah. heard a word of knowledge. But guess what? The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. Amen. So it's kind Amen. of getting people moving and what and what this book does it it brings the gospel back to the center and it, it, it un unpacks all these nine points it unpacks how we share the gospel why we do it uh, live test testimonies of, of disciples have been born through it uh, all mm -hmm. the keys really uh, i feel that over those three years i worked on the streets the holy spirit gave me so many keys um, and so much to unlock uh, what evangelism is. I didn't know what it was, but I was personally schooled by the Holy Spirit for three years mm -hmm. um, and then three years after. And, and I really learned so much. And that's all in, in this book at how to share. But it's mm -hmm. all about a gospel driven culture where we're making sure that this person knows what uh, what sinners has a chance to repent. And, yeah. uh, but we're not yeah. going ahead of the spirit. We're only going behind him. Yeah. And that's kind of the key. Yeah, yeah. And it is. I know was it. I always want to say Albert Finney because of the actor, but Charles Finney, you know, That's and right. because that whole building was going to burn, he said he didn't share the gospel. So it was more about the altar call and the numbers. Guys, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know who's saved. We don't know who comes to faith. You will see their yeah. fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Also, your love for one another. But I'll tell you, I've gone into skate parks with 500 kids. There they are. And I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to unpack the truth of the word. And there could be a kid there that's molested. There could be a kid that hates their dad. There could be a kid that's suicidal. And I've had certain ministries go, well, we would never do something like that because we don't know who's Christ's. Well, yeah. nor do I, 
nor does anyone. But in the end of that gospel presentation, if I say, guys, I want to pray for you, there are people here from the church. We we promoted this event, event for two months or three weeks. You will see these kids as kids who are listening to this podcast now. In fact, guys, write in the comments below if you came to faith at one of these events that are out there, the skate ministries. But the Lord will grab a hold of people wherever. That girl who has no one might talk to the church lady. That kid who wants to blow his brains out, heaven forbid, don't do it if that's you listening. They'll sit there with the pastor. We don't know the way the Lord works. It's always subjective. We don't understand the way he does things, but the Holy Spirit's present, Romans 8, 14. And he's obviously using you, brother. I'd like to think he's got a hold of me. I know he's in my heart, but I'm saying, and he's continuing to pour himself out through things like this. I know when I go preach, it's the gospels, the power, but how do people get a hold of you, Scott? Um, And where can they go get the book and all the resources? Yeah. (laughs) So um, you can get a hold of this this book through, (coughs) sorry, excuse the cough. Mm -hmm. You can get a hold of this book through through, uh, Amazon, through um, Barnes and Noble or JesusAtTheDoor.com, wow. uh, you can order it through us as well. So there's a bunch of ways you can get it. And um, and uh, if you want to check out like anything we do, we do a lot of videos. I film a lot of street stuff. So when I do go, we recently we're in the Portland riots. We went to the Chop Zone. Uh, we saw the Kingdom of God breaking out there. So I'll film a lot of these things through GoPro. Yeah. So if you check out our YouTube channel, Jesus at the Door, there's a bunch of videos on there that shows live. Uh, experiences of people coming to meet the Lord, uh, you know, and really experiencing mm. his power. Mm. Um, so that's a good resource for people to check out or obviously Instagram, yep. Facebook, Jesus yep. at the door. And I'll be posting the trailer to this in a few days, but your Instagram page is just, it's Scott for Jesus for yours personally, right? That's my personal one. Yeah. And then the, the ministry one is more Jesus at the door, but I mean, they're quite kind of the overlap anyway. Like the same. I mean, like I always joke about my pastor because he goes, you're just an outward process. So that's how evangelists are. But you know, for those who are out there, this is really important. Um, I know in my position, if I said, I'm going to go somewhere, what, what's next for me? I have a lot of friends now who trust in me or believe the work the Lord has done. Hopefully a guy like yourself would say, hey, Brian's praying about what's next. I could get invited to a church. I could be put on staff. People would say, Brian, we want to use the gifting you have and the resources, and you can fit right in and run this ministry or that. Here's the thing I want to say to pastors listening is Brian and Scott are in your church. And when you preach the go, that kid, that girl, that boy, they're the evangelists. They want to be equipped and they're going to have a different voice than you. They're going to be thinking, how can I be used? They'll go and hold the kids in children's ministry. They'll go and fold this paperwork. They'll go and help that day with the cars. But you need to be, who are the evangelists in my community, in my church? Because there's so many kids like you and me. And they're going and building houses or working construction. And I'm like, go raise support. First Corinthians 9, 14. The Lord has commanded, commanded, commanded. Tell your elders that, that those who do the work of the gospel make their living from it. If I had a full-time job, I couldn't go out and proclaim like I do all the time. God will use me. Paul made tents for a few seasons, but when he was fully funded, he never made them again. And he was making a point at one time to the church in Thessalonica. I'm saying that to say, if you're an evangelist, send your pastors this video anyway. If they're more conservative (laughs) pastors, thank you for sticking with us through the Lord speaking to Scott so many times. But, you know, I just wanted to connect. This book's coming out. It actually came out on the 29th. 
Jesus at the door. M. Scott's a good brother of mine. He's always been sincere and focused on the Lord. God is doing a work. They got a couple hours north of us up in Portland. I'm down in California. But guys, be praying for Scott. Be praying for me. Be praying for yourselves to go out and proclaim the truth. I ask people all the time, M., how many of you guys are evangelists? And they, they don't even think about raising a hand. They go, okay, how many are Christians? Boom. You might not walk in the office of, but you have a testimony. You don't have to have been on cocaine or you don't have to have been a pro skater thing you ever figured out. You just have to have been born because the Bible says all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glory. So all of us, the best testimony is that you were just born in need of a savior and he loved you so much. He sent his son to live, die and resurrect. So I know you got to jump into a meeting at 4.30. Any closing thoughts for us before you pray us out? Yeah, I would just say, you know, that, that I, I, I personally don't really even like the word evangelism because mm. I don't like the way people take titles and, and names and use them. I, I don't I think I don't I don't I never say I'm going to go and evangelize. Yeah, I, I just see it as loving people. Mm. And, um, you know, the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> I mean, that's it. If, if you if you're really going to love someone, then what's the best way of loving them is introducing them to the one who is love. Yeah. So for me. Yeah. I'm not going to evangelize today. I'm just going to go and love somebody, man. And, and, and for me, the best way to love them above buying them, buying them some lunch or even praying for them to be healed, the best mm -hmm. way I can love them is to introduce them to the one of his love. So mm -hmm. that's what I feel this thing is. And every, every Christian on the planet can do that. Um, and that's what we're all called to do. And I'll just say mm -hmm. one last thing, but which I was going to share earlier on. But, you know, sharing the gospel is a very small part of this thing, as you know. The biggest problem we have in church today is that nobody's discipling anyone. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of people who are quick to point the finger at people like me and you and say, where's the disciples? You, you just pray for a bunch of people. Where's the disciples? Yeah. And the problem is it doesn't cost you your life to share the gospel, but it costs you your life to make disciples. Amen. And um, and frankly, to do that, it's, it's, uh, it's going to cost you physically, emotionally, financially, and that's mm -hmm. where the church is really, really poor at, at, at fulfilling this task. And we have mm -hmm. a lot of spiritual orphans running around because no one's willing to open up their lives to disciple them. So mm -hmm. maybe you can't lead, maybe you personally don't want to lead them to the law, but you could love them and help them to grow. And I feel that that's the key for me as, as an evangelist. I feel my strength is, is loving people mm. and helping them grow. Uh, and we run new believer groups. And in that, we cultivate an environment where they can grow in their faith. And for, for me to watch an individual from a stranger to see them grow and mature, see their face change, their family change, that is the highlight for me. It's crazy. And that is what we can all do if we'd, be, <laughs> if we'd be willing. You know, Billy Graham said the 5% effort to win them to Christ is finished when they pray, and the 95% effort to bring them into maturity as a disciple begins. Mm. And we can do the 5%, but the 95% is where we really got to work. And, and that's my heart is to raise up the church to say, come on, let's, let's start loving people better. And that's that's so many of my pastor friends. They'll fly me out, bring me in and say, Brian, can you just hang out with us for three services on a Sunday, do a teaching one night? And you just hear the voice of an evangelist. And obviously my teacher side is like, well, God did call us evangelists, but your point is true, is that it's just living your life. It overflows. And guys, here's the thing. So many people want the Holy Spirit to minister in an altar to have our moment but he moves with us and God's word. So in, in the street, in your office, God might lay a word on there for your, your boss, for a spouse, for someone. The scripture is the most important thing because the Holy Spirit's already breathed it, but he yeah. follows that along with us. He's the one there. He's the one present. So um, guys, get Ray a hold of Scott. Ray Ray him Logos, huh? Yeah, the Logos is written and the, and the Ramas alive. And I mean, I get the principle, but 
there's words you need in seasons, you know? So I know you've got to have your meeting. Would you just pray us out, Scott? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Yeah, Father, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for my brother Brian and his family. I ask you to bless them, Lord. I thank you for his heart to build your kingdom, for his heart to, to uh, educate people. Uh, and what it is to know you and to love you, Lord. I ask you to bless him and the family, Lord, in this season of their lives. I ask you to pour out uh, your blessing and resource in every area that they would not be and ever be in lack, but they would only be in abundance, Lord, I pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this time we've had together. We pray that yes, the Holy Spirit, you, you draw people to uh, this podcast, that people might take something, uh, take all that is of you, uh, however uh, little that may be, Lord, that they would take something of you and uh, and get rid of what we'd said and take what's of you and that use it and it would inspire them and stir them to love you more we praise you we love you open our eyes and awaken us to the need and the cry to rescue people there are people perishing and going to hell every day and lord the church has become like a social club so lord i pray you'd awaken us to see that we're rescuers we're not called to have a a weekly holy huddle we're called to inspire each other that those six days a week we can be out there loving people and bringing them back to life we praise you we thank you for the ultimate cost that the cross was to you, Jesus. Help us to honor that for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. And guys, think about it like this. One of my go-to books for anyone is Leonard Ravenhill's Why Revival Tarries. Mm. You get a hold of that and you have to start doing something and he just yells at you and shouts at you. <laughs> Do I believe in everything he's always saying? No. <laughs> would he believe in everything I wrote in the marriage book, Never Fails? You're going to open Scott's book and I would tell you why to go get it. Not because it's about money or bestsellers or whatever, but you're going to be stirred up by an evangelistic voice. Some of those things are going to apply. Some you're going to love, some you might not. I've not read it yet. I don't doubt I'm going to say, man, I never thought of this, that. But either way, I know it's going to be an encouragement. There's your wifey in the background. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> More scallies are joining us here, you guys. Um, hey, hey, calm down. Hey, I know. But, but here's the reality is that um, you've heard the testimony of Jesus today through us. Um, go get my brother's book. Go hit him up online. Literally message him if you want to do some, have Scott come out, do teachings. or go. We'll jump on this again and we'll do some more just about what the gospel itself is. I'm going to go outside and see the guy working on the side house right now. Maybe I'll evangelize him. But guys, this is Brian and Scott. And remember, 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Hit us up. God bless you guys. Thanks for the shares, the likes, and all the rest. Pray for grace for Scott because he's a few minutes late because of me. I repent, guys, to his meeting. Love you all. Amen. Bless you.